0: Hello and welcome to Diary of a Sex Therapist. My name is Elizabeth Akunili. On this platform, my goal is to help us be spiritual, be smart, and be absolutely sexy, to come into our persona in everything that we can be, to express ourselves in every way. And one of the ways I do this is by telling stories, experiences, things that have helped me stay on this journey as a sex therapist. So again, welcome to Diary of a Sex Therapist. had plans to discuss handling shame and guilt scripturally, but there was a topic I know we needed to explore quickly before we move on to every other thing we had planned out. And that's why today I'm going to be talking about foot in the door, foot in the door. Ah, okay. I remember being in secondary school, that was my SS3, and my classmate called me. He said he needed 200 naira, it's very small money, very, very small money, that he was stranded and I should bring the money to his house. No, he wasn't at his house, it was at his friend's house. But prior to this, his name is Rashid. Rashid had made silly comments that I didn't take seriously because of my nature to just downplay things and just be very playful about it. I remember having this com, this being in this space where Rashid, Rashid was like, I like, I like your breast, I like your bra, and I'm like, how is this guy even seeing through my clothes? You know when people make those kind of, funny, stupid statements, and then you just play down like, we'll leave the guy, he's very unserious and stuff like that, and there were there were days and weeks where I wished I had stopped Rashid. The first time he made those kind of comments, because I was fully dressed. It wasn't like I was undressed, and then he was making this comment. No, I was fully dressed. I was standing where she was making those comments, and as usual, we chalked it down to jokes. So, if you haven't understood my perspective on joke, I think you may want to listen to the episode on subtle arts of body shaming. Jokes are very important techniques of teaching, of absorbing information. And so, when this guy was making jokes about sensitive. Issues. It's it's not like someone cannot make a joke that is um personal. But I don't have that kind of personal relationship with him. We were just classmates. And so when he asked me for two hundred naira, I don't know how my brain did not connect Rashid being sexually inclined towards me, Rashid being um sexually rude towards me, and how Rashid could also be sexually predatory. I don't know how I didn't connect those. But I unfortunately didn't, and I was barely 15. So I took 200 naira to go give Rashid at his friend's place. And again, I still didn't connect his friends leaving the room when I came in. I didn't connect them suddenly wanting to go fetch water and then making a joke about cooking. Now, the irony of the situation is I was always the jean girl. I believe bum shots were safer than skirts. But this particular day, I was wearing the fleece cats because I was trying to sleep when Rashid called me. So I just jumped into the first thing I saw because I felt he had to be an emergency for him to call me of every person he could call. Again, I wasn't thinking. I didn't put things in perspective. So off I went to Rashid's place. Gave him the money. His friends left the room. And barely five minutes later, Rashid was asking me if I love him. That was the last conversation I remember before Rashid pounced on me and then we were fighting for both my pants and my bra. After this... Prior to this, there were a lot of information that made me feel like men are cruel, men are wicked, men are undeserving. And so if your sexual self was beginning to emerge as a young girl, even before I got to puberty, a part of me subscribed to trying it out with other girls. Because I felt if guys are as crappy as they've always looked, yeah, I know, I know a few good men, but they were too few to the number of stupid people I felt I knew. And so somewhere in my head, I had this societal idea that guys are supposed to be emotionally crappy. And if I'm beginning to get sexual, if my puberty is coming on and I want to explore, a part of me as a child subscribed to trying it out with other girls. And I finally get a senior secondary school. I was in a girls' school, SS1-2. And then SS3, I was back in a mixed school because just one to 3 was mixed school. And I was back to SS3. And here I am getting sexually assaulted by my classmates who I talk to every other day who isn't even a close friend. So this further re, it, it re-emphasizes the trauma I had absorbed over the years, it re my initial standpoint. It, it puts me in a position where I feel like I am a victim consistently. I feel victimized. This was a time in my life where I wasn't even comfortable with my body. I was a tad bit busty as a child, as a young lady. I was very slim. I used to be very slim. So... Puberty sets on, and then you have this bust that is bigger than your whole chest area, and you can't even hide it. So you're putting on bra, bra top, there's another singlet, then there's a shirt, and then there's a jacket on it, but your bust is still visible. So I understand body shaming practically, experientially. It's not something I read about. I understand the idea of wanting to hide your hips of of wanting to have conversations with people where they don't talk about how your waist is suddenly expanding and how your hips is suddenly expanding and are you beginning to have sex are you down to have sex like those kind of conversations were just so regular the moment you went through puberty as a lady it was so embarrassing i remember this time i was working a group of boys on the road and i was trying to, i was so shy of working and they were just talking i know there's usually the cat calls and all you grow up with those ones and then I stepped on this coke bottle and the bottle rolled. I had this split on the whole road. And everyone was trying to run to get me and I had to run away. You know, there, there are all of those experiences that are almost normal. But getting abused is never normal. Getting harassed. It's enough that you get harassed verbally. But it's never enough. It is never okay to be physically harassed. It's never okay to be made sexually uncomfortable. It's never com- It's never okay to feel like a victim, it's never okay to feel like your body is a weapon fashioned against you. It's never okay. And so after all of this happens, the whole Rashid episode, uh, the, the trauma I had observed and I believed, the things I had agreed that I was wrong with society and wrong with men, I came to the conclusion that men were not worth it. I came to the conclusion that people were not worth it. Because I left Rashid's place and got to my friend's house that afternoon only for me to find Rashid's friend, the guy, one of the two guys who left the room, actually went over to my friend's place to try to abuse her too. So it was a divide and conquer strategy, whether they planned it or not. But that was what happened. Luckily for my friend, she was a rash person and the guy who was trying to molest her was the shy type. She got away. So I came back in the evening to tell her the story and my close friend, in quote, the guy who was my close friend in my girl's compound, goes over to Rashid and says, I am trying to spoil his name. And so somehow, I look like the predator. Now, not only is Rashid offending me, this other guy, who is supposed to be my friend who lives in the same compound with my girl, takes Rashid's side. And then I and my girl look like we're bloody liars. We have just been violated. And the only guy who was supposed to be the third guy in our league, who was supposed to be the third person in our league, denies us because he's trying to be friends with the Marshall rachid. All of this happens and I absolutely give up. At this point, I wasn't even ready. I wasn't even ready to fight it. I wasn't even ready to explain to society that, oh, maybe it was Rashid. I was not in the mood. I was not educated enough to differentiate a person and the entire community. That was 2010. And then 2011, I met my friend Prosper. I would call him a foot in the door. Because as at that time, I was ready to shut the world out. I was ready to push everyone else out and just do my thing and just go my way. I began to beg my parents to allow me go to the NDA that I wanted to go into the army. If you know me as a child, I was slightly violent. I was quiet. I was noisy when I'm playful. Yes, but when you offend me, I am quiet and violent. I remember stabbing a compass into my classmate's leg in jest too. Like, I can't be that. I used to be that rushed, that hot-tempered. When I'm angry, I don't talk. I just vibrate. And if I touch you, do you understand? Like, all of this happens, and I can't even tell my parents what I'm feeling. I just tell them I want to go to the army. With all of that hatred, all of that anger, all of that feeling of inferiority, all of that feeling of I don't matter, I am not enough. I wanted to go to a place where I could feel powerful and the army looked like it. I love the army. I loved the uniform and everything. But as at that time, I was not going to the army because I wanted to defend anybody. I wanted to go to the army so I could have a gun and know what power felt like tangibly. And then I met my friend Prosper. Prosper was not perfect. He was annoying, absolutely. I'm saying this with a smile on my face. He was absolutely annoying. He was probably the most annoying man I ever met as a teenager, but he was fun. Prosper taught me to trust people again. He made me understand that there are, everybody won't take advantage of you. And we all need those people, people who are a foot in the door, people who would put India their habits and your character people who put their integrity in the door and tell us don't shut the world out for many of us life has hurt us badly at that and we just want to slam the world out but I'm saying to you that there are foots there are feet who would put who would come right through your door and stop you there are good people if only we would keep our door a little bit open if only we won't close the world if only we won't allow people like rashid to have the final say if only we won't allow people like rashid to determine our trajectory in life i am probably not friends for very 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 long but that duration was enough for me to open up to my healing journey did my life get fixed in that year no 2011 no, trust me, I still made crappy mistakes in 2016. But I didn't close up in 2011 because I met one prosper. One one person who liked me for me. One person who did not judge me by my abusive history. One person who didn't judge me by my rashness. One person who was willing to know me. Do you understand? There's going to be one or two people... In this whole world who are going to be symbols of goodness but we won't find them if we close the door the world is annoying people are very irrational people can do very crude things people will hurt us and expect us to apologize people would abuse us and make us look like we abused them we will meet psychopaths we will meet we will meet narcissistic people people who will hurt us And make it look like it was because we did something, we said something. People would try to justify rape and say it was because you dressed, because you went there. I went there not because I wanted to. I went there because he called me and said he needed help and I was just being a human being. So whatever it is you're going through, I want to let you know that there are good people. In the world of almost 8 billion people, there are good people. They might not be around you now, but there are good people. In Jesus' circle of 12, there was a Judas, but there was also another 11 that were for him. But the 11 always present? No. But they didn't betray him. They were a source of strength, even if they were not actively giving him strength in Gethsemane. But he knew they would carry on the work. There are people who would come into our lives, some for a week, some for a month, some for a year, and all they came to do, all they came to do in our lives, is to just say, "Hey, there's goodness in the world," and they walk away. They don't have to be ours forever. We don't have to marry them. We don't have to date them. We don't have to have sex with them. They just come to say, "Hey, there's goodness in the world." That's their job description. You will have friends. Friends of two hours. You will have friends of 10 minutes who you met on the bus and they just came to say, Hey, there's goodness in the world. They're going to say, Hey, don't make that crazy decision. Your job description is just to come remind you that this is not where you wanted to go. Don't let the abuse rewrite you. Don't let the hurt change the direction of your life. Don't let a breakup redefine you. Don't let the abortion. Um, cause you to lose yourself absolutely, that you never can retrace yourself. Don't give the abuser the power to to keep directing your life. I would never have begun my healing journey if I had not met Prosper in 2011. All right, I wouldn't have begun my healing journey that year. and Prosper became friends because I went for a meeting and we're praying. The person leading the prayer turned and looked at two of us and said, What secret are you holding? So I am Prosper traded secrets. That's how we became friends. That much pain I had locked inside for so many years, we traded. And it felt good to open up, to not bottle up so much, to not have to be a so much emotional body. Some of us need to learn to open up. We are hiding, holding on to pain. We are holding on to pain so much. We can't even even begin the healing journey. I'm not saying we have to heal everything immediately. But you have to begin somewhere. And one of the ways to begin is to open up. And you cannot open up if you don't try to trust. And you can't try to trust if there is nobody. So eventually, you have to open your doors. You have to open your gates. You have to try. You have to come out. It's hard. It's crazy hard. But here's the good thing eventually you become a force to be reckoned with in 2016 yes 2016 i saw rashid for the first time i saw him nothing flipped absolutely nothing i didn't feel like killing him i didn't feel like hurting him i didn't feel like doing anything when i looked at rashid power had traded hands he couldn't look me in the eye The Elizabeth that stood in front of him in 2016 was not the girl he molested in 2010. He didn't. he, He couldn't dare look at my face. He was doing his master's. I was just finishing my undergrad. But he couldn't. I was in my power. I was in my authority. I had healed. I had healed beyond the girl he had molested. I had become so much more. But it wouldn't have happened if I didn't let a foot come through my door. So, hey, guys, this week, open your doors. This week, address that pain. This week, make up your mind to begin your healing journey. Make that phone call if you need to. Settle that dispute if you need to. Confront that situation. The abuse happened. Don't deny it. The abortion happened. Don't deny it. The pregnancy happened. Don't deny it. Confront it. Allow yourself to be helped. Speak to someone. Open up. You can't shut your doors and begin your healing journey. You need to let a foot in the door. I hope this helps you. If you have any questions, please do well to email me at at Yes, it's also going to be in the description box. Thank you so much for letting me speak to you. Have a great week.